Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. I'm talking today with someone who is living a better story. She shared some things with me that we're going to get into today on the podcast that may change your life because certainly she's had faith in in her journey and she's changing the world, not just for this year, next year, 10 years from now, but for eternity and, and for that, I applaud the work that Juanita's doing. I love it, and I can't wait to dig in for you, our listeners. So Juanita Headley from changingcases.org. Check out the site. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. What she's doing is amazing. She speaks all over the world, and she does it pro bono, and, and we're going to help her move into uh, profit profitable business here shortly. But um, Juanita, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Chad. It's really an honor and privilege. Mm, I'm so excited. When I talk to fellow believers to dig into to your story, it's it's so illuminating. And I can just tell from our five-minute pre-conversation that you've got a lot to share and you've got a very cool story. So um, how the, the new question for the year that I like to ask first is if I asked your friends and, and family maybe, you know, what are the three words that you would use to describe Juanita? What do you think they might tell me? I would definitely say assertive, passionate, and brave. People call me brave. And those are not just friends. Those are complete strangers. And I tell them I'm not brave. The bravest guy in the Bible is Jonah. For me, I'm just a person who's obedient. When you're obedient, that doesn't require bravery. That just requires for you to trust the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength and to follow the steps that the Lord has laid out for you. So I'm not brave, but people like to call me that. <laughs> wow. You know, when I faced COVID in September of last year, I've always pictured myself as the lion being the brave, the brave soul. And when I felt like I was 10 minutes from the end of the road, like, hey, this might be it. And I said, God, if this is my time, I'm yours. And we wrote a song about it. Me and this other uh, person that's friends of mine, we wrote this song called 10 Minutes from the End of the Road. And it was turning over my fire. Like, you can have it. You're, and and that, that moment, I actually felt like I transferred the, it's not my braveness anymore. I don't need to be the brave being. I just need to move over it and let him drive the car. And so I, I really can align with what you're talking about. It's, it's nice when you know you have a, 
a father that's there that's going to defend you and and be there for you no matter what. Absolutely. So I really like that. So take me back to when you're five, six, seven, you know, your first memories. I, I talked to someone who remembered something in age two and I'm like, yeah, no, not me. I don't remember age two. But do you in your early childhood memories, what was your thing? Like, what was your passion, if you will? Or what did you just love to wake up and do? What, what did you do when you were a kid? Well, honestly, I cannot remember anything about what I did when I was a kid because I'm super old, even though I look super young. But what I can say is that I do love reading. And as a child, my mom always took me to the library. And in addition to reading, I love board games. And so when I was five, six, seven, we didn't have cell phones, showing my age, but we had games like Snakes and Ladder and simple games. And then as I got older, my aunts would give me more complex games. And I'm a huge fan. So at the moment, I'm in New York and I've actually been to events with complete strangers where we play board games together on a Saturday or a Friday night. And so I would say if I think back on my childhood, reading books and playing board games was a huge thing I loved to do as a child. Mm. If you want to get into a new one, it's a 1950s game. It's called Acquire, A-C-Q-U-I-R-E. And you start hotel chains that start with two pieces. They grow and then you merge the smaller chain into the bigger one. We play it every holiday season as a family, and it's we still have the game from like 1956. And, the, and we, bought, we ended up buying multiple of them on, on eBay lately. <laughs> that sounds cool, because I actually had a dream of opening my own restaurant, so I would love a game like that. So I'll definitely wow. look it up. Yes, that's awesome. Um, okay, if, if younger you came into the room right now and knocked on the door like my dad did a while ago and said, hey, Juanita, this is awesome. I'm so glad to be here. And, and said, you know, high five, congrats of where you are. Is there any gap that you see that younger Juanita might tell current Juanita, wiser Juanita of, man, I wish you'd be doing a little bit more of blank. Is there something that you think she might say to you? I think two things. The first one would be to continue to bake, continue to pursue my passion for food in the sense of seeing that as a vocation. I'm a vegan. I've been a vegan for about a decade and veganism is huge. And even during the lockdown, a lot of people have opened up businesses, restaurants. People are actually branching out into their passion. And I went to school and studied in Switzerland and worked in United Nations as a chef. But as my mom and grandma would say, I'm not using that. And then the second thing, as you mentioned the word pro bono, which is almost my middle name, I'm a US lawyer. I'm New York licensed for seven years. I'm pro bono, not because I'm Christian, but simply because I'm an immigrant. Born in London, England to Jamaican parents, currently in the US, but don't have work authorization. So I'm a pro bono lawyer. I don't think I would tell myself not to pursue the New York bar, but I think I would tell myself to be more diligent in seeking opportunities to volunteer, whether that's remotely or in person, so that I'd able, be able to acquire enough experience to get sponsored and to get a work permit so that I could actually practice as an attorney and be paid to do so. Because as my family like to say, you've been licensed for seven years, but you have nothing to show for it. So I think those are the two things. Pursue the baking, 
and then get more experience so that I can actually get sponsored and work as a paid attorney, making a difference to the lives of many people here in New York and also throughout the world as a lawyer. What kind of, uh, of, of clients would you have? What type of law would you like to practice? Or do you practice? It's interesting. Yeah, well, it's interesting you ask that. I've done some immigration work. And since I came here around 2012, I've been volunteering with Christian Legal Aid. And so I would work with those who were homeless, immigrants, including undocumented immigrants, and individuals who are formerly incarcerated. However, from my experience in St. Vincent in June of last year, which I'll talk about later, I now have a passion for using my lawyer's license to work for those who are formerly incarcerated or currently incarcerated, those who have been falsely imprisoned or been given excessive sentences. And so right now I have a huge burden for using my license to make a difference. There are so many people in prison who need legal representation and organizations like the Innocence Project do not have enough lawyers. My dream and my dream for the last 10 years has been to work for the Innocence Project. And although I'm seven years an attorney, unfortunately, I don't have the experience they're looking for to begin working with them. But if the younger me could speak to the current me, I definitely would have made a different decision in relation to spending more time in gaining experience, whether that is simply doing casework, but getting to grips with the law. So that way, seven years on, I'd be able to apply and be successful in an organization like the Innocence Project. Wow. Well, of course, that's the kind of work that you do because God's been pointing me to um, incarcerated people over the last couple of years and so one of the folks who was at my house for the last couple of days is named Jarvis Guthrie. His website's jarvisguthrie.com and savedbygraceministries.com is his other site. And um, he spent two years in prison. He said that when it came time, he just made one bad decision, right? This isn't a guy who continually made wrong decisions. He made one bad decision. He, he drank too much. He went out from this party. He thought he was going back to the same house where all his friends were. He kicked in the wrong door and it was a police officer's door. The gun jammed, his life was spared, and then he went to go to court. Eight months later, not, you know, not thinking like, that he would spend time behind bars, he gets in front of the judge and he, and he discovers that if you plead for, you'll know the terms better than me, right? Um, plead for forgiveness or, or a term like that, mercy, plead for mercy. They, he said, well, okay, I'm giving you two years. He said if he would have fought it in the courts, he probably would have spent 10 or 12 years. And so it was a completely unfair. I can just see how the, the deck is stacked incorrectly for these situations. And it's become mm -hmm. a very profitable business for people who are in this racket. Mm. And so the work that you're doing is extremely important. He's now owns a farm in central Florida of 60 acres and he's helping prisoners with reentry. He's just building the first house and he's going to build multiple houses on this farm. So he does prison ministry work in the state of Florida and is very well connected to uh, quite a lot of people. So I'd love to make that introduction for you as well. Yes, please. I've heard the name and I definitely have read about him. So I'd love an intro because to me, I believe that when we 
get together, those with the same passion and join forces, we can make a bigger impact. And I have such a love and a passion, just as it says in the Bible, I was hungry, I was naked, I was in prison. Did you visit me? And my grandma made an amazing statement when I was telling her about prison ministry. And she said, I read Matthew 25, I believe it's 35 onwards for myself. And she said that what I believe is when you help people who are in prison, you're helping Jesus. And I was like, wow, I never thought of it like that. But it says, I was hungry. I was naked. I was in prison. Did you visit me? And they said, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked? When did we see you in prison? And I've never thought of it like that. But now my eyes have been open in a new way. And it's like, you know what? People make mistakes or sometimes decisions are made for them that ends up with them being incarcerated. But Jesus is a God of second chances. And even as you just explained there, he could have got 10 to 12. He got two. He had his second chance, and he's doing a lot of amazing work, which is so encouraging. Yeah, well, and I talked to another guy today who was convicted of murder. He spent 12 years in prison, served his time, and it was an accidental thing, right? And it was something that, but he's like, I get it. I took another human being's life. And even he was, he could have served life. He spent the time, he he was able to connect with God, and now he's building a 400-acre farm in Pueblo. And it's all for these kinds of purposes. And he said, Chad, we need to team up. And then another guy that I talked to an hour after that, Bryce, lives in Texas. And and this guy has just been through all kinds of ups and downs in life. And he's committed to the kingdom and to helping. And here's what I believe, what's interesting about the verse you just quoted. A lot of people who'd never visit a four-wall cell... Are living in the, are, are living in their own cell. It just happens to be called the house or wherever it is they live, right? Because they haven't yeah. formed a relationship. So I think it definitely people who go to behind the four walls and behind the lines of the prison, they have a chance to experience and get to know God better, faster, you know, than than most of us. But most of us are also living in a prison. It's just called our mind. And I was thinking, as you said that, that another prison is forgiveness. And there's a great song by Matthew West, which is called Forgiveness. And it speaks about the story of a mother whose twin daughter, I believe one of them passed away in a drink driving accident. The man who committed the, I guess, murder, if you want to call it that, or manslaughter, he went to prison. And so the mother would travel around the United States sharing the message of drink driving and to try to help others to safeguard and protect their own children However, she felt something was missing from the work she was doing. And so she went back to the jail, asked the guy to be released early. He was. And so they now travel around the U.S. together, spreading this message, which is such a powerful story. The song is beautiful, but it's the fact that this woman lost a daughter. She now has a son. And right there, we see the power of forgiveness. It actually set a prisoner free. And far too often, the prison we have, whether that's behind prison bars or in our own home, is unforgiveness. So I so appreciate you saying that. Yes. Mm. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You know, whenever my daughter's bird is still living at our house because um, she went to college and we just had a group of people at our house and the bird would chirp whenever something was said that was was amazing. And I got to tell you, I heard the bird from downstairs just now screaming at the top of her lungs on our conversation. And I don't think it's by accident because we're making a difference in the world. That's amazing. 
Yeah. That's so, amazing. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's no, there's no doubt about it in my mind. Um, okay. Next question is if, if you're, this is kind of my favorite question. The the trip, the buzzsaw of life, right? You just you're just going along, and then all of a sudden something happens. And so, is is there a time in life that you experienced that was hard? And now looking back, it's it's like okay, that had to happen in order for me to be the person that I am today. When I was thinking about this question, I was torn. But when I really think about where my life is now. And the journey that the Lord has taken me on, I have to refer back to my childhood, specifically when my mother married my stepfather at the age of four. Unfortunately, he abused me sexually until the age of 10. And so as a result of that, I suffered from the effects of an ACE. An ACE is an adverse childhood experience. I had insomnia, which I still suffer from today. I even have some problems. I'd say I'd struggle with insecurity etc, etc. Now for me, even though it has had an impact and affected me negatively, as it says in Genesis 50, 20, what the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. And all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. For me, I wish I was never abused. I believe though, that the Lord has taken my story and he is using that. It says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Around six or so years ago, I was invited to be a speaker in Tobago for a judge's conference on human trafficking. I spoke, and I was really a not very good speaker. I was really quite crap. And then I went to Trinidad, and I spoke at schools, and I was so boring, the kids fell asleep. However, I enjoyed what I was doing. And so I flew back to Trinidad a week later. And every year since then, I've been going to Trinidad and Tobago. I've traveled the world I've been to 38 countries thus far, and I spread my message of human trafficking and child abuse prevention. What I find is so powerful is that I share my own story, because a lot of people don't realize when you've been sexually abused, you become vulnerable to being abused again, to becoming a victim of domestic violence or even sex trafficking. And so knowing that there is a target on my back, I obviously want to ensure that I'm not exploited ever again, but I want to protect other children. And so I believe that despite the negatives, despite the effects it's had on me, that the Lord is allowing me to use my story. The Bible says that we should not be a light under a bushel, but a city on a hill. My desire is not to create paranoia or to speak doom and gloom. I want to inspire people. And in fact, I wrote a book about my own story, which is called Can You Keep a Secret? And so my book is, a, is the plan of my book is to get people to understand abuse to protect and safeguard their children because at the end of the day it is happening in our very own backyard in fact i have a copy of my book here hopefully you can see it can you keep a secret which is now available on amazon and as i mentioned pro bono is my middle name so i'm giving 80 that's 80 percent of the proceeds to charity my dream is to build safe houses in the philippines because it is number one for cyber sex trafficking which is where girls and boys as sexual abuse via the internet. 10% is for the Indonesian men who climb up and down the Java volcano. They don't have PPE, appropriate masks, so they die from respiratory issues. 10% tithing because of Malachi chapter three. And then the final 10% for commissary, which is for those individuals who are in prison 
and need to make purchases such as toilet roll, toothpaste, and various things like that. So when you buy the book, you're not only educated, empowered, and inspired, but you're also doing a great work for those in other parts of the world or maybe in your very own neighborhood. That's amazing. I love it. Can you keep a secret? And when did you write the book? You know, I can't see you. You've gone invisible. I don't know if that's deliberate. Um, it, it, I think it's because of the internet connection, but it'll still capture all of oh, the okay. video and will still, it'll still be good the way it's recording. Yeah. Okay, perfect. It's just I see that there's no one there, but I can hear you. So my <laughs> book was written around 2018. However, the enemy will come to steal, kill, and destroy, and it has taken me three years to get the book on Amazon. As the saying goes, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Everything you can think about has gone wrong with my book. The typesetting, the barcode, the cover, everything has gone wrong with the book. Amazon rejected it about 50 times, not because of the content, but because of the structure of the way in which the book was presented. Yeah. There were so many issues, but God came through and it's now on Amazon. By the grace of God, it was released on January 11th of this year, which is Human Trafficking Awareness Day. January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And as I said, it's called Can You Keep a Secret? Because when I was being abused and I disclosed or wanted to disclose, I should say, to family members, I asked the question, can you keep a secret? And when they said it depends, I kept my secret for another six years. And so I explained to people why yes is always the correct answer. You're not keeping secrets. You're saying yes to hear it. And then I tell people the next steps as to what to do. Yes. So you need to get a copy of my book. Wow. I love it. Well, I told you about Sandra. She's going to be coming back for another event. And the event's called Joyly in the Chair of Joy. And what, it, what its purpose is, is that a lot of times we feel stressed out in life. And if we just sit for a moment and then sit in the chair, breathe... Right? God is breath. God is life. So bring in the breath of God and then think about a joyful moment in our life and then feel what that makes us feel. We can change our bad day into a good day because all of us have those kinds of um, things that happen uh, in our lives that are tough to deal with. And so I'm, I'm eager to make the introduction to the CEO of Joyly, to Sandra. I'll make that intro to you as well, um, because I think, be I think the chair of joy is something that is a powerful experience um, that can help people when they're going through their stresses of their lives. And, and I'd love to hear your experience by doing a chair of joy moment, you know, and being on her podcast at some point. So that would be a lot of Definitely. fun. Definitely. Um, so... Obviously, the answer to the next question is about how did how did the traumas become a gift later in your life? And it, it seems very apparent because now you're able to share with others, um, you know, so that they can so that you can help other children uh, avoid a, a similar situation. So that's very, very neat what you're doing. Thank you. Um, next, next question is. Tell me about a time God undeniably showed up for you in life. Sometimes he speaks to people. Sometimes it's through parables. Is there a time where, where you're like, whoa, that was God? You know, tell us how you experience God. 
for me, that's so frequent. There are times when it's like there are miracles on a daily basis. And I sometimes tell people a white lie that I'm God's favorite, but he doesn't have any favorites. <laughs> but I am so blessed just by the way he shows up. And it's interesting because what I will share, people will be surprised. Did God show up? Yes, he did. Last year, I was in St. Vincent. I traveled there in 2020, August, and the plan was to stay for three weeks and give a speaking presentation at a church and celebrate my birthday, which is August 27th. Unfortunately, stroke fortunately, my flight was canceled September 10th, but by that time I'd fallen in love with the country, so I didn't want to leave. I'd had the opportunity to meet the prime minister, I'd spoken at churches, at schools, on TV and the radio, and I traveled amongst their islands. They have about nine islands, and my personal experience, the rest of the world is on a lockdown, but St. Vincent and the Grenadines, I was able to travel frequently without any issues. Unfortunately, in May of last year, my extension was denied. Now, for someone like me who's traveled to 38 countries over 10 years, the reason for the denial made zero sense. They said to me that I could not get an extension because, quote, nine months is too long for a holiday. Now, that for me is very laughable, but they didn't think it was very funny. And so June last year, I believe it was June 17th, they came to my home, immigration, they arrested me, took me to court without my lawyer being present, and they put me in prison. I was in prison for eight days. It was one of the hardest experiences of my entire life. And whilst I was there, on one occasion when they had confiscated my pen and my books, I decided to sing. And so I sang a song, Alpha and Omega, for five hours straight with drums that I made with the wall. And the police were not happy with me. But I said, you know what? I'm going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And then on the eighth day, by the grace of God, I got a call from my lawyer. And she said she's coming to pick me up. Now, I did not have bail. Nobody was willing to put their house up for me to leave. It was a very difficult experience for me being there. The whole time I was in the prison, I didn't cry, but I sang and I worshipped. Because just two weeks before that happened... At church, the pastor spoke about the story of Paul and Silas. And so I was equipped. I knew exactly what to do. So my lawyer came on the 24th of June, if I remember correctly. And she told me, and just as it's written in Acts 16, she told me that the attorney general, which is the same individual who was the reason that I went to prison in the first place, had called her and said, let Miss Headley go. And a week after that, when I was reading Acts 16, 35 to 37, it says the keeper of the prison said to Paul and Silas, said, let Paul and Silas go. And that's exactly what happened to me. And what was so amazing when I read that scripture, although my name is not Paul or Silas, that scripture is exactly what happened. The attorney general called my lawyer, called the police and said, let me go. And for me, that was huge because if that did not happen, I would have spent a further 28 days in the prison cell. For me, the difficulty of that experience is that as a result of what happened to me, well, number one, I'm banned from returning to St. Vincent. The second thing is they stole close to 2000 US dollars of my money. And then the third thing is that I suffer from memory problems because of the trauma. I have very bad short term memory. Before that happened, I remembered everything. Now I have to literally write everything down because it affected me in this way. However, it has given me this new passion for prison ministry. 
For 10 years, I've had a dream about building bakeries around the world and hiring the formerly incarcerated. I'm a vegan, I'm a chef, I'm a baker, I'm passionate about people. And so for 10 years, I've wanted to have bakeries with open hiring policy, hiring the formerly incarcerated, formerly prostituted, and the homeless. That's been my dream. But after being falsely imprisoned, I want to do so much more and use my lawyer's license to help these people. I don't have any regrets about what happened in St. Vincent. It's not as though it's a kind of notch on my belt. I don't want to have had that experience. But I know, as it says in the Bible, some of us will go to prison in the name of Jesus. And so if I can allow myself to go to prison for an immigration matter, I am convinced I will go to prison for my faith. And I know that with the way things are changing around the world, there are Christians more and more who are being persecuted, maybe losing their lives, being martyred or imprisoned because of what they believe in. So I have no issue. I believe I have forgiven those who persecuted me, those who stole my money, emotionally abused me, psychologically abused me in the prison. But I want to take my experience and use that to be a blessing to other people. That That's is so neat. When we went to an event, the very first Living a Better Story event was in March of last year. And it was right after my son was burned on his face and hands badly and then recovered because it was a pure miracle. And so we go to the event and this Bible that we read when I was a young kid that's in my dresser right over there somewhere, um, we brought the same one that my grandmother gave to my mother and then we read it as kids. And I said, hey, who wants to read a verse, a random verse? And as you know, things aren't random. And Paul and Silas was the verse that was read and he said, you're not going to believe this. Just last year, he went to the actual prison where that story took place. And it was more like around, it wasn't a four walls kind of a prison. It was more like a round prison where you can't jump over the walls, right? And then the story goes that he forgave his prison, the guard, the guard right? And then, and then the guard ended up taking him to his house and, and feeding him, if I remember the end of the story correctly. And so, and so when you're singing in those prison walls, I'll bet that had an impact on the, on the guards as well. Um, and, and that's really, really amazing. Okay, tell me, it's, if it's not clear to our listeners yet about what the word faith means for Juanita, then you probably <laughs> haven't been listening while you're on your Peloton too closely. Um, tell us about, you know, how would you define faith and, and what role does faith play for you in your life? I think for me, faith is everything. It's integral to who I am as a person, who I am, what I do, how I do it. And I say that because for the last 10 years, I've been living like a Luke chapter 10 Christian. In Luke 10, Jesus said to the disciples, when you go out, do not take gold or silver or extra sandals and dust off your feet. I've traveled the world for 10 years without a pay job. I've never worked illegally, not off the books, under books, around books, under tables. Don't do that. And the Lord has provided so much that there's no room in my storehouse, food, clothing, accommodation, flight ticket, free of charge. And so for me, knowing how real he is, seeing him show up consistently, it's not easy obeying. But as my pastor said on Sunday, it's a lot harder to disobey. For me, there are times when I want to compromise, like I'm here. 
I don't want to work illegally, but it has crossed my mind. Maybe I could fall in love online and get a visa, but I'm not going to do that. I believe in being honest and integral and doing things God's way. Says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant your heart's desire. The reason that I'm not going to have a green card marriage, the reason I'm not going to work illegally is because I represent Christ. And I know, as it says, I'll never leave nor forsake you. It also says, I'll never see the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. Just as you were talking to me before the show, Matthew 6, 25 onwards, I believe, it talks about the birds have food. And so we don't have to worry. I've literally had the Lord show up for me time and time again. And there are times when I'm thinking, is God real? But if I look back on my life, he has been so consistent. And so I know all I have to do is just trust him in the big, in the small. I may don't, maybe don't have all the answers. I maybe don't know what the future holds, but I know that he has my life in the palm of his hands. And I would not want to live my life in a way that displeases him and not be able to spend eternity in heaven. And so I know everything I do, it is to reflect and to honor God and to have that servant heart and servant nature. So when people see me with all my flaws and insecurities and issues, they're still going to see the Christ that I serve and they're going to see that he has set me free. I am redeemed and I am mm. transformed. You are an amazing sister in Christ. And I would be happy to call you my sister. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm so tearfully joyful because when Jarvis came to visit and he said, hey, can you take me to the grocery one night? So I take him to the store and, and he bought uh, whatever it was, a pack of cigarettes or a Coca-Cola or something. And on the way home, I said, hey, let's go see my parents. And I call him. It was 9.45 at night. And, and I called him and, and they met him on the phone once and they met him once in person for dinner. Um, and they knew I donated my Rolex watch to the farm. And, and they were like, wow, that's a big deal. You sold your Rolex and donated all the proceeds to help the farm. And so I said, hey, can I bring them by? I want them to see my room. And it was 9.45. They're like, yeah, come on by. So when we walked in, he said my mom gave him a church hug, you know, like one of the, hey, good to see you. And then he talked with them and shared his testimony, just like you've done for our listeners for the last, and he, you know, we spent 20 minutes in the house. And when he was leaving, she squeezed him like you would not believe. And because I think she saw me in him and him in me, because when I was a kid in this neighborhood that I just moved back to, I had a mohawk and a nose ring and I was kind of a rebel. That's why my skateboards are on the board in the background. And, and that's just who I am, right? I just was being me. And, and, and so he, he went a different path. You know, he went to prison for two years. And, and so she could just see the, the love that I had for this person, that he is my brother, right? He's African-American with a gold tooth. But me and him are brothers in Christ. And, and when you can see people, whether they're on the side of the road or it doesn't matter where they are, what walk of life, but you can look at them as that's my brother, that's my sister, and it's my responsibility and honor to do whatever it is in my power to change their, their eternity and their, their downstream eternity for their families. Um, it just gives me so much energy to hear you share your story, uh, it's it, it just makes me you know want to even continue and strive even more. So I thank you so much for being here and sharing everything that you've done. It's amazing. 
Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. It's really been a great yeah. session. Well, we'll be in touch. I've got to make some introductions. Um, can you keep a secret? It's available on Amazon. It's, it's, uh, it took a long time to get there. So if you hear this, swipe the button, click the button, buy the book, buy three, give some to your friends and family. Um, I think it'd be a real good read and I'm looking forward to reading it myself. So Juanita, thank you so much for sharing your testimony today. Thank you. All right, everybody. Chad. Thanks for joining another Living a Better Story podcast. Juanita Headley website. Remind us one more time. Cha uh, it is changingcases.org. Changing cases. Changingcases.org. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. God's peace. And we'll catch Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope, purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.